Welcome to episode 4 of the Barbecue Unlimited podcast. Well, I'm sorry for the background noise in the introduction, but I had to do it while I'm on vacation, so I figured why not do it poolside to make it more interesting. Well, in this week's episode, I will have Victor Vilk as my guest, and uh, we will talk a little bit about his career and uh, what he's doing and uh, what Team Serpent is up to at the moment. And, uh, well, see what he has to say. And, uh, as usual, you don't want to hear me rambling on the mic in this intro, so uh, let's do this. Hi and welcome, Victor, to the Barbecue Unlimited podcast. How are you doing? Thank you very much. Um, doing good. Just came back from uh, our gym here. Try to do some uh, exercise here in the morning. You know, when yeah. we have a uh, free time at all. Yeah, me too. I was out for um, an hour-long power walk this morning. So I mean, it's awesome weather. It's summer. Really came fast, so I mean, uh, it's it's getting warm outside, and you can do a lot more than it was a couple of months ago. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. Uh, yeah. We had awesome weather in Germany last week, but uh, also here back in Sweden, it's uh, looking really nice this weekend. Yeah. Well, for those who don't know who Victor Vilk is, he is a um, Swedish Swedish pro driver in touring car, one tenth touring car, and. Ah, for Serpent, so, uh, and uh, you've been doing this for quite some time now, <laughs> actually. I think you were the first actual real pro that we had in Sweden, right? Yeah, probably. I'm not sure if there was somebody in uh, one eight Off-Road before, but maybe not like a real professional, just like semi. But uh, I've been doing this since 2008, I would say, yeah. on and off. Yeah. Third at the last Worlds? Yes, was um, I, I didn't expect to do that uh, so good result last time, but we were lucky, you know, in the final and, yeah, made it happen. Yeah. Well, before we jump into results and stuff like that, I mean, uh, you, you've been doing this for a long time. And, uh, I mean, where did it all start? I mean, we all started somewhere, like, ended up in a hobby shop and, like, I want to do this. Yeah. Um yeah, for me, it started like um, I was about, let's say, 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, my neighbor, uh, Björn Paulson, he he was driving some RC cars at home in our village. And uh, yeah, I found it interesting and I went with him to our local club here in uh, Gothenburg. Mm-hmm. And yeah, sort of after that, I, we bought ourselves, uh, you know, the first car and yeah, start club racing. Back then, it was it was mainly off road, 110, and mm-hmm. we were racing uh, indoors. So my first car was, uh, I think it was uh, like a double X Losi two wheel drive off road. Oh, so you started out good. You didn't go to the crappy shit in the beginning like everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that was a pretty good start. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Um, we went to the club, you know, with. Uh, with uh, Björn's cars and then uh, yeah kind of the people at the club told us which car you could use and stuff like that and then yeah then bought the Losi was a good start (laughs) definitely was I mean we all started out with something really horrible and sort of like had to (laughs) 
<laughs> to go the hard way. I mean, it's it's uh, usually people say like, oh, I got this horrible car from Tamiya, plastic, fantastic, and and it just broke and. Uh, mm. Uh, but, then, but that's good. I mean, you did the research. I wish more parents would do that with their kids or sort of like have the opportunity to do to do it because I think that would actually help the sport grow a bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think maybe back then it was it was definitely more people, you know, at the club. So mm. we had like a club race every Tuesday or Wednesday, I think, like probably up to 50 people every week. Oh. It was uh, was amazing uh, uh, crowd and community and yeah many friends you build at the track. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, I think Vestota, your club in in Gothenburg, yeah. was probably it's either my club or that club was the biggest one in Sweden at the moment um, back then. Yeah, and I would uh, say probably yeah. The traffic through the doors at the club was quite quite extensive. I mean, there was a lot of people just coming around for like you said weekend races uh, for for weekly races i mean right now yeah. it's you're happy if there's like 20 or 30 people at the same time yeah exactly it's it's changed a lot and i'm i'm not quite uh, sure why it's changed but yeah maybe young people they play video game or do other stuff at the moment <laughs> Actually, I heard a good. I heard. Uh, um, I heard something about this. There was actually uh, here in Sweden, like football or soccer, as you say in the US. Uh, their biggest competitor was video games, and mm. the reason why the thing is like you can't just say like this is my this is the competition like, uh, but they also took took their time to actually go a little bit deeper and. What I think today mm. with the hectic society that we have, that it doesn't matter what sport you do. Okay, you got to have some sort of interest, but there is um, the parents don't really put the time in to, to invest their own free time in their kids to actually be at the track or be at the soccer game or help them out. They sort of like kids lose a little bit little bit of interest so it wasn't just the video games because the video games is easy for the parents to sort of like here's your computer go play Fortnite, and you know where yeah. your kids are and i mean with the society changing all the all the time and it's sort of like you don't want to let your kids go outside just yeah. as you did like 15 years or 20 years ago i mean that is a huge difference and i think that that is something that you have to work on like get parents involved also yeah, it could be. I also heard like somebody say like people just have less time for for free stuff now. So yeah, that's another thing. I mean, I just have to look at myself. Or I mean, it's it takes a lot of time to to do stuff like this. I mean, I can't do RC in the way I wanted to want to. But uh, mm. this is my way of keeping keeping <laughs> keeping in contact with with the sport at least. I mean, so. Yeah, that's good. Good yeah. job. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, you've been doing this for now for what did you say? Since you were twelve, I mean, you turned thirty last year. I mean, you're yes, you're getting so old. <laughs> more than fifteen years. Yes, getting the old old crowd in the fifteen years yes. in Eight, the sport. Yeah, you're like you've done this for eighteen years. I mean, you've been pro for almost yeah. ten, right? Yeah, something like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, almost ten now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think in touring car, if you look at the, yeah, let's say the top drivers, it's I think still you can be competitive with this age. But mm-hmm. um, as you see, you know some guys are thirty six, thirty eight. But I think at least you can be pretty good competitive until you thirty five, at mm-hmm. least in touring car. Yeah, I, I think so too. I mean, uh, the thing is that, like I said, the older you get, you sort of like reaction time. You can't build up reaction time, but you can maintain it. So if you are on a high mm. level before you start to decrease, <laughs> I mean, you, you can still yeah. keep it up. I mean, it takes maybe a little bit more than you used to for you. I don't know. Yeah, I think, I think, I can feel like if I do done proper testing before a race, I can. Definitely see it's uh, the result is getting maybe a little bit better. In the past, 
I didn't really need any practice. We just went to the event and put the car down and it was was good. But I think also now it's gone so competitive in touring car. So many team, you know, they send the drivers one week before to the event to do the practice and it's it takes a lot more now to be competitive than it than it used to be in the past. Uh, there's also more pro drivers. Yeah, true. Yeah. Mm. So I mean, it is always like when when you talk about stuff like this that uh, the amount of money that the teams put in to to um, to go to these events. I mean, also I think that uh, it is important to to sort of like expand the whole thing uh, a bit but when you say that they go for a week before the event i mean a whole week for practice no the the thing is like basically for a ets event they mm -hmm. close the track on monday mm -hmm. the week on the week before and it's closed monday tuesday wednesday and then it's open for official practice on thursday so what you can do then is to fly in for example on friday and then you do practice Friday, Saturday, Sunday on the same track. Mm -hmm. So basically stay one week on the same flight ticket. So you save a little bit of money on the flight ticket, but you have to stay longer at the at the event. But these are just for the permanent outdoor tracks, right? Yeah, exactly. For mm -hmm. indoor, it's uh, nothing changed. You just fly in Thursday and then it's uh, yeah Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But isn't it more... Um... Uh, how do you say fair to to be on the indoor tracks when there is a brand new track no one has driven on it you know you, you know what the carpet is going to be like but it's a brand new track yeah um i would say yes and i would say probably now it's gone gone too extreme with the with the practice with the teams and mm. i think it would be good if you can if you can limit the time a little bit and and not go for one week and you or you don't go one weekend before to practice i think it would be better and more fair and every team would spend less money also i think we saw now in last andernach it mm -hmm. was a track we didn't race for for six years so so there you could see it was more fair because the track was new for many people again so Mm. I think it was was a better event. Yeah. Yeah, because I heard there were some rumors about having one tenth buggy at at the Hoodie Arena. Mm. I think that it's an amazing it's an amazing facility. Hands down, I mean that and what it's it's really really good. But I think that having an event at a place like that, it should be like if you have a world's like in one tenth buggy, on on someone's personal like a, a manufacturer's uh, yeah it should be like a completely new layout jumps should be brand new i mean no one should have an advantage because it's yeah. i think that uh, they have an amazing facility but having big events at that place is a disadvantage for all the other teams and i think that um, yeah it's should, the same same problem they had in uh, Yatabe, I would say. Yeah. For the world, so yeah, other exactly. Yeah. My, my thoughts also, but they, they what they did there is they put on a brand new track, but still you, uh, I, I, I don't know. Uh, that felt a little bit more, um, how do you say, fair? Maybe I don't know. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. I mean, of course, the local drivers or the local manufacturer, they know the the condition uh, a little bit better than the others so mm. they're still going to have a little bit of advantage i would say yeah i think that, i have an opinion about about the worlds i mean especially when you have these problems with the 18 worlds in south america when there was a lot of problems with customs and stuff like i think that mm. it should be like the olympics like we're going to host a, a worlds sort of like the one who wants to host the worlds have to send in their application. It doesn't matter what what kind of uh, if it is in Asia, Europe, uh, North America, South America. It doesn't matter. But everybody has to send in their application, and the one who has the best 
application and the best sort of like promotional skills to get it to get the event should get the event the ones who can make yeah. it the best i mean otherwise we end up like a world's now i'm going to be really harsh but in south africa where nobody feels comfortable really going mm. i mean it, the Pretoria event for a few years back when there was like 15 entries in one tenth buggy, I mean, it was just a location that made it 15, 15 entries. I mean, if you would have had it somewhere else, more people would have come. I mean, especially yeah. if, if a class is struggling with uh, participants or racers, I mean, it should be at the best location ever. I mean, it should be some criteria that you have to fulfill. Good yeah. airport, close to the airport, not like in in the middle of nowhere, like we usually end up. So I mean, yeah, definitely, and maybe also see a little bit where can RC grow, uh, or or does it have a following in this area? For example, if if the event can bring something more to the sport afterwards. Yeah. Um, like I think that's that's what they try to do in China. Yeah. And I think. I think for Touring Car that was a pretty good event because they only built a track for that race. Mm -hmm. So it was the same for everybody. But yeah, and I think the China market is a little bit up and coming, at, at least in Touring Car. I think it's up and coming in every in every aspect. I mean, uh, um, I, I yeah, probably. There's a lot of things happening there. Yeah, yeah. but we but we have the same problem now in. Uh, yeah, the world's in uh, South Africa, yeah. so uh, will be interesting how it uh, how it's gonna go. Actually, I called my insurance company and told them like I'm going to participate in a Worlds. This was this was in Pretoria, mm. and they sort of like asked me how how much is the equipment worth, and I was like oh, this amount, and they were like we're not going, you're not going to be insured. They weren't going yeah. to insure my stuff, so I was sort of like, so if something happens, it's not insured. No. Yeah, that's crazy. So I mean, it was just that that made me not go to Pretoria. Otherwise, I would have gone. Probably my mm. only chance to make an AMA in at the Worlds. But I mean, <laughs> uh, it was. Um, there was like no way. There's no way. And yeah. I was like, even if I pay an extra fee, about nope, it's not going to happen. You're not going to be insured. It's, uh, it's pretty hard, also, if you if you're a private driver and you have the chance of losing all your stuff. So, uh, I mean, I remember what happened at the worlds before that. People were getting mugged back. <laughs> I mean, I think Masami lost all of his RC gear or something. I don't know. Yeah, I think they got robbed from the from the airport to the track. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I'm not, I think that area was maybe a little bit worse than I think maybe now it's a little bit better, but I still, got it. I, still you don't feel 100% safe, I would say, as nah. a European. No, nah, but it's gone. I have friends who, uh, who have a guy I know who, who's from, from, actually from Pretoria. He says like, well, the last 10 years has been way, way better. So, I mean. Yeah. And probably it's it's all gonna be fine. So yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, <for> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, that's cool. So for so now you've been a serpent driver for a couple of years, but you were you went with Tamiya before that for like a decade almost. Mm, uh, seven years. Seven years. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, what do you do at Serpent right now? I mean. Now you're getting a little bit older. You sort of like it looks like you're a part of de developing the new cars. I would say maybe Serpent is a little bit closer for, you know, develop as far as development for the car. But still, the designer is the main main guy to do uh, the design and the develop. But of course, he he also asked me. Mm. Um, but yeah, mainly I just do racing and testing and. Yeah, still the same stuff as Tamiya, I would say. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, the 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 new Evo, the the four X Evo. As I mean, it's quite um, design wise, is <laughs> it's mm. like nothing else. I mean, yeah, it's it's for sure different. I tried. I think they tried to yeah make something different. They didn't want to be like everybody else, mm -hmm. and. 
we could see, you know, of course it's going to take time to make make a new platform compatible comparable. Mm-hmm. Um I think the last races has been doing a little bit better and mm-hmm. my job is just to try to do as best results as I can every time. Mm-hmm. You no know, whether yeah, if the car's working or if the car's not working. So but I think we we find a little bit better parts or setup in the last races so i'm i'm hopeful now until the world's oh but that's I, good i mean it, it, do you feel that the center of gravity in that car i mean it, it it's 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 really really low is it something that you can feel compared to other cars like like you have mm, that low center of gravity or is it just like not really i think maybe you have to do a little bit different setups to get to get the roll in the car mm. to uh, you know get rotation and yeah. and get the grip but but other than that when you when you drive the car you cannot really tell if this is a high or low center of gravity car but uh, you know when i drive i drive <laughs> i don't <laughs> don't think about uh, <laughs> low center of gravity or high uh, yeah. just doing the job just going out there <laughs> Try to be as fast as possible. Yeah, of course, of course. I would, you had some luck in the last race. I saw that you sort of that you you, you had some. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, there was some controversy on the track. I mean, it's been discussed uh, quite quite. Uh, we have this. I don't know if you remember, we have this legend chat. We have a lot of Swedish drivers and some international drivers in a uh, iMessage chat, and we talked a lot about that that. Uh, last race. I mean, what's your mm. thought? What's your thought about it? I mean, ah, oh, you mean now in Germany? Yeah. Um, you mean from the final or you? Oh, the, la- the last final between Coelho and uh, Matsukura. To be honest, I didn't really see what happened. I just heard Coelho made a mistake in the chicane, mm-hmm. and probably Naoto just just hit him when he tried to get past. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, other than that, I didn't see so much. I just came through and could win the final, but I didn't look too closely in what uh, what happened between them. There was no, there was no talk afterwards in the in the pit area. Usually, like that, that was the decider, right, for for the championship. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I think, yeah, probably they just yeah crashed together, and I mean, Naoto tried to get past, so. Mm. Probably Coelho made a mistake and slide a little bit, and then Noto hit him or something. But yeah, I think it was just racing incident, or yeah, unlucky from Noto that it couldn't get past. Yeah, but I mean, Noto and Coelho, they're quite similar in driving style. Both are quite uh, entertaining to watch. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I think that event was special because I would say. Coelho was struggling a little bit in practice and he could yeah, barely take TQ from Naoto because he had a small mistake in the I think second qualifying. So so for the final Naoto was a little bit faster, so it uh, yeah, it was bound to happen something. So mm-hmm. I think he made an awesome pass in the first final and then Bruno won the second. Mm-hmm. I mean uh... You really had a good pace there, also. I mean, I saw the finals and it looked really good. Yeah, it was was the first time in a long time that we that we could feel like the the car is fast enough to to fight for the top position again, and mm-hmm. it it definitely felt good to be to be racing a little bit again. You don't you don't want to be last or middle to the end in the A final. You want to be up there and and race for the top positions. Mm, of course. If you're from five up to ten, you're just fill out. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yes. <laughs> it's all right. You know, you, you know, you got speed, but not enough. And even if you get speed, you're sort of like stuck in a hornet's hornet's nest, so you can't get out. I mean, yeah, exactly. Uh, stuck in the middle. Yeah, it's the worst. It's it's almost better to be last in an A final because then you can sort of like just wait and see what people does and sort of like move your way up. But in the middle, you're you're you're, you're it's the worst. Yeah, yeah. I would say. Yeah. No, but it was uh, definitely a good race. Um, 
we had pace from the beginning in practice and could TQ one round and then win the last final. So it was definitely a positive result for us. Mm, oh, good. Nice to hear. I mean, it's always um, the struggle. I'm. It's 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 fun when you. It sort of like gets you a little bit further. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So now there's uh there's some weeks off or. Um, it's uh, this week I have off, and then on Tuesday I go to Los Angeles for a reader race. Oh yeah. So that should also be a, a good event. It's mm. the last last uh, reader race they're gonna have at that track um, before they remove it. So. Okay. I, th- I think it's gonna be a perfect perfect race, and many drivers are gonna go this year. Yeah, you always seem to do good at the reader race. Also, I mean, it's your. Yeah, I I like racing. You know, it's it's for position every time, and mm. you have to do some overtake and yeah, fight a little bit. Yeah, that's good. A little bit more interesting. Yeah, is Cavalieri coming? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he normally would show up to do a touring car. Yeah, at no, this I, event, and he just won the nationals in touring also. So I mean. Yeah, I think for sure he he gonna race yeah, if he doesn't have some other big event. He's gonna be pumped. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I mean, when you, when you see like one tenth, the transition between the both classes. I mean, one tenth buggy and one tenth uh, touring. Uh, I still remember when you and Mark came to uh, to Bilbao for the Euros, the first carpet Euros mm. in in. I mean you. You guys, I, I still remember going down that hill. I mean, you guys were lightning <laughs> fast going through that chicane. I mean, that you can see when you when you have the speed that you have from touring cars. Like back then, we weren't so used to in in one tenth off road. Yeah. I mean, you you and Mark, you totally dominated that that event, and and I remember you going down that hill. I mean, you 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 reached top speed within one meter and you guys yeah. held it pinned all the way down <laughs> there was no one else doing that in first practice but you guys are uh, not first practice but, but in four-wheel drive no, we're talking four-wheel drive yeah now. yeah and i mean it, you guys were flying down the down that hill and i, I remember the talk in the pits like how do you do it i mean you got you guys were doing you were going on two wheels through the chicane and like everyone else was like, it's you can't do that. It's impossible. I mean, that transi- I think, transition for you to one tenth buggy. Uh, do you think, like for Cavalieri going to touring car, that he has an easy transition like you guys had, or? I no, I think I think for us it definitely helped. You know that track was astroturf, and especially you could see we could do better in four wheel drive than in two wheel drive. Mm-hmm. In two-wheel drive, we definitely, you know, we definitely couldn't do such a good result. But in four-wheel drive, it's pretty similar to a touring car. You just have to, yeah, fine-tune the jumps. But uh, I think for Cavalieri, he also need to do some practice. I think it's he definitely have good talent, and he showed before he could he could be up there, top ten. So. He definitely doing a good job with the transition for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, now now when you're sort of like doing so much for for Serpent, I I'm why why not more one tenth buggy? Sorry to to sort of like get into that. Mm-hmm. The, the, I mean, you're a good one tenth driver. I think the last year or the last years we had we've been so busy with the with the Forex project. Mm-hmm. So probably just try to take all the time we can for that car. Um, I think they have some off-road drivers in 110 off-road. You also think? Got, <laughs> I think they also got um, new drivers for 18 off-road. Mm. Um, now it's it, we. They've been talking a little bit about it, but until this moment, we just try to focus on the touring car. Mm. But may, maybe in the future, I do mm. other classes, but. But not for now. Mm. Oh, that's cool. I mean, there is there is en- enough races in one year 
just to do one class. I mean, doing two more is probably a little bit much, maybe. Yeah, for sure. Maybe one more in uh, on road. I would mm. say it's more more likely than to go back to off road because right. I think it takes it would take too much time to be competitive in uh, off road again. Yeah. But you did the Euros in one eight. Yes, and and probably that's why. <laughs> <laughs> You could see you need more time to prepare and and to to practice and be competitive. You just don't want to be go to event and you know don't do well. No, so, but, that, but that track was super super hard. I mean, it, it was hard. Yeah, for sure. It was it was not the perfect event to go back to off road on. Oh well. So what's else in the pipeline? Do you have anything new for? Serpent got anything anything new except for the touring car? And... Um, I think they have they're working on a new 110 buggy. Mm-hmm. I think, but uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much I can uh, can tell here. Also, so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but there's something. There's something coming. Yeah, I think they're gonna update update uh, update the car. So they update the 4x now with the Evo. Mm. I think they also updated the one eight on road. Mm. Um, I think also the one eight off road is a little bit updated to mm. this year. So they they try to do small update each year. I think. Yeah. I'm not not sure if it's gonna be a completely new car or just the update, but I think they they're gonna be something new. I think for one ten as well. Yeah. That that reminds me, like you have never done nitro track. You only done like electric track and then buggy but you never done nitro track um i did some euros in spain uh with uh, 110 i think it was two years ago or or three okay something like this and yeah it was okay we ended up in the semi just missed out in the final but yeah not not so much more than that Uh, it's just just too busy i think the 110 worlds and the Electric Worlds is in the same year, so it's it's oh, difficult okay. to yeah. to do at the same time. And also, you uh, before you went to Serpent, you had to get another sponsor, and that is another story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, and that time you needed to find a sponsor which wasn't in conflict with Tamiya, yeah. like didn't do the same car system. So oh. yeah, not so easy. Ah, that's not easy. Well, with your other sponsors now, you're you're sponsored by Aromax also, and and yes, it, I had to send you a text like when I saw Dash for the first time, like what is Dash? I had never heard of it, but uh, it's a it's a it's an Aromax brand, Dash Speedo and Motors. If for those who don't yeah. know, yeah, uh, and uh, it's uh, is it, has it been released now or is it still in pre-production? No, it's been released, um, yeah, since I would say probably all this year. Ah, okay. Been released, or maybe February or March it was released. Yeah. So I've been seeing, yeah, there's a couple of drivers using it now in both off road and uh, on road. So seems to be working pretty good, actually. Ah, cool. I'd love also, to try one out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it works pretty good and uh, it looks awesome. So. <laughs> It looks awesome. That's good. That's an important thing in touring car, right? It has yeah, to look sure. good. Yeah. That's yeah. Also in off road, I would say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, like I said, like the the one eight uh, one eight buggy drivers. Those are the farmers, like suspenders and stuff like that. <laughs> they sort of like dirt under their nails. Then you have the one tenth buggy drivers, a little bit more petite, and then you have the touring car drivers. You come with <laughs> fixed hair, and you sort of nice, nice shoes, <laughs> nice wiring. So I understand that the the uh, the speedo has to be nice looking. Okay. Yes, yeah, uh-huh. has to be some bling bling, you know, with the <laughs> screws and. Uh... It is important, right? They have the right set of screws, like matching screws. Yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. <laughs> have to have a good pit line with your name on it. <laughs> exactly. I think you see the same in uh, off-road. Yeah, yeah, but you guys, you have white gloves on. I know that. <laughs> no, no, it's no, not too I bad. I don't want to mess up my nails. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's not that bad. 
Ah, well, well, that's cool. Also, now, what other what other sponsors do you have right now? Um, a prospect for for the chargers and yeah. some accessories. Yeah, it's been um, yeah from Japan. It's been a long sponsor for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and sweep for for the tires. Mm-hmm. I help them to do some development for the tires and yeah, they support with the tires on when we do. Yeah, sweep tire for the event. Yeah. Um, yeah, then it's, you know, my painter from Japan, TD. Mm. Oof. Awesome. He's, uh, he's awesome. I would say one of the best or the best. Yeah, he, he he's, he's one of the best. Uh, definitely. I mean, he gives yeah. you probably the coolest paint stream on, on the market. I mean, I love the color. The color combination that you have on your cars, I mean, it's really, really nice. Yeah, he's he's really good. And uh, especially with the coloring, he knows the perfect combination and yeah. make the car look awesome. Yeah, ah, that's, that's <laughs> he's really, really good. But yeah. I mean, I mean, Prospect, they've been out now for a couple of years now. And uh, I mean, they put out some really cool chargers. And what is in the pipeline for that? Is there anything new coming out? Yeah, they. I think this year they just released the um, the touch uh, touch screen charger. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's also working on like a new new system where you can buy can combine you know your charger, power supply, tyoma, everything. So, but it's still uh, still in the pipeline a little bit. I think mm-hmm. it's gonna be a little bit more time before it's released. But he's gonna have some more. Uh, cool stuff coming out for sure uh, it's a cool brand it's a really cool brand i think that everything you do like you have to have a cool name and a cool logo <laughs> that is yeah. i think that in rc is like if you have a cool logo and you have a cool name you can go quite far i mean if you have yeah, a for sure crappy logo crappy crappy name ah <laughs> not going yeah. happen. and he also he always he's from japan so he always uh try to keep it really high quality and uh, he also likes it should be should be perfect he don't he don't mind so much the you know the best pricing or something like this he just want to have have the best stuff no oh, but that's good that's how it should be it should be like yeah that. Oh. for sure well yeah and then and oh. then of course you know protoform for the bodies uh, sanva mm. for radio and so. and other sponsors yeah, so when when will you get your hands on the M17? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure when they want to uh, want to test it out, but probably soon, I guess. <laughs> I mean, that's the only tool that you have to to connect to the car. I remember we talked back in the days when you when when someone was switching from M11 to M12, you weren't saying, mm, "I'm not I'm not quite sure yet uh, that you were going to switch." But I mean, yeah. it's Sanwa makes the best radio for sure. I'm, I mean, um, yeah, yeah. I would say, I would say they have like more than ninety percent of the of the market now, at least in on road. Ah, uh, but I think most most of the drivers actually run them. I mean, there are so many people that you see that are not sponsored by Sanwa that are top drivers that are using it. I mean, it is really really good. And yeah, it's just the best feeling. Yeah, when you drive. I feel, uh, for for me personally, I feel like it's so good in the hands. You feel so connected to the car uh, yeah. compared to other ones. I've tried many radios the, and I always end, <laughs> end up back with, with Sunway. I've, I've used it since like 95. I had a few years yeah. where I tried something else, but now I'm back with Sunway again. Mm. Yeah, it's the best. Yeah. But I mean, for, for example, the, the, like talk about sweep tires. I mean, you're running a class where there's usually handout tires or control tires. Yeah. Uh, isn't it hard for a tire sponsor to sort of like, except for testing and, and, and putting out like testing new stuff. I mean, mm. is there, um, if you talk about development, that's one side. Is there also like, promoting for race organizations or stuff like that that they want you to do or i mean it's 
I think it's in a way that they sponsor me or they sponsor other drivers is also a way to get the, their brand more well known mm-hmm. in order to get the organization or the or the race event to choose their tire mm-hmm. because because if they have a good name that they can ensure the testing is done and the tire is good, mm-hmm. I think then it's more likely that the event would choose this tire. So mm-hmm. I think for sure it's a little bit promoting as well. Yeah, well, of course. Because now it's every race, as you say, is controlled tires, so it's it's a lot politics behind. <laughs> uh, it's always a lot of politics. That's the worst part about it. But I, I, I think like for for a pro driver, it doesn't matter if it's a free tire or controlled tire. But for for average Joe, I think it's really good that you have a controlled tire because then you can sort of like keep costs down. It's not. Uh, you don't have mm. to bring one million tires to the track because you don't know what what will work. Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, that is a huge expense. There's a lot of money going out on tires, and uh, that is something I'm I'm for controlled tires. I know a lot of people will hate me for saying this, but it is, I think, helping the sport to have controlled tires. That's yeah, for sure. It was. Uh... It was going crazy in the past when you have to have to bring many different tires, different insert, different wheels, so you could yeah. as a million different combinations. There, there is. Oh, go ahead. And it's definitely less cost now for a racer to go to an event than it was in the past. Yeah, there, there is some some old rumor about Masami at the Worlds in in England in one tenth buggy. He's like gluing a million different uh, combination of tires like he took two different tires and glued them together because you were allowed to cut and shut tires back then yeah. so, so he was sort of like sitting there doing different combinations of, of tires in the hotel room like he had mm. piles of tires I'm yeah, basically. Yeah, it was they, just crazy back then. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's a good thing. That's a good thing. I think, I think definitely, if you look at all these things, it's the same with the motors, batteries, uh, ESC. The costs have gone down a lot to mm-hmm. do the race, and also it's it's more fair. It's more everybody can buy the equipment that I run or that Mark run or Nauta run. It's it's the same stuff that we drive that you can buy in the shop. Yeah, it, so, there you you have no advantages of uh, being a pro driver like having better batteries or yeah, uh, exactly. m- motors. I I remember back in the days you ha- I had <laughs> I, I I was um, uh, I had I had some support from Peak Performance through Lars here in Sweden at Pro mm. Car. And sort of like we had, we got motors and batteries from from um, from Howard. He was doing them back then. And when you had those batteries and those motors, you could easily run for like forty to fifty seconds more. And yeah. you could, you can gear much higher. I mean, and not everyone could get those tires and batteries. I mean, those tires and those batteries and motors. So yeah, I mean, when you had those, you had. A whole lot more confident than the average Joe had. So I mean, yeah, it was the same in touring car, and and in that that way, I think the sport has come a long way. It's it's way more fair now for everybody, yeah. and and it's way less cost to do a, do a race. Yeah, I mean that is also one thing that I got this question on Facebook for you, and also it sort of like touches this subject. I mean the sport is right now maybe in a, the whole sport is maybe in a bit of a decline mm-hmm. i mean um it's uh house ekberg actually asked a, f- a very good question actually about touring cars he said what is your opinion on uh what's what's your opinion uh how we should make touring car interesting for people again. I mean, the amount of people driving the class gets smaller and smaller every year. Yeah, I think I think it's more maybe for all RC it's going down a little bit. I think touring car is still one of the biggest classes if you look at ETS and all all the other big race. Mm. Um, 
Um, I think definitely, I mean, TV would help the sport, but I'm not sure if that's ever going to happen. Mm. Um, maybe we have to do a different race format, for example, like a read race style where we do finals all the time to make it more interesting for the people who watch or or for example if you want to do more tv stuff yeah we need to make uh, make the sport more more accessible i think yeah or you need more like a entry level which which people can buy a car for let's say i don't know maybe 300 euro and it's ready to race like a stock class yeah, yeah. I'm not, not 100% sure which is the best way. I mean, a touring car moving so fast. If you were sort of like get a, if you're quite new to the sport, getting a touring car and hitting the track with the same batteries and motors and gearing that you have, and you do a mistake, I mean, you will end up <laughs> in the trash quite fast. Yeah, I mean, even, even the stock class is maybe a little bit too fast for, for a beginner, so. I've never understood stock classes, sorry. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what do you think about two-wheel drive touring cars? The front 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 wheel, the front front wheel driven touring yeah, cars. I mean, in that way it's a little bit slower class and yeah, I'm not not 100% sure what is the advantage of this sport, but uh well, as an entry level, I mean, or is it Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Just as far off as four-wheel drive. Yeah, I saw they had that class in TRTC, for example, for for a couple of years, and they don't. I think they don't have it anymore. So I think the class gone down a lot in the in the last years. So mm. I'm not sure why, but but I mean, if the class opened up and for say, for example, in like an event event like the the. DTS, and they sort of like introduced the class and said like, uh, "Let's do it." Would you would you race it, or would it be too much for in the same weekend to do two classes? Mm, yeah, it's also hard to say because yeah, sometimes it's pretty pretty hectic just to maintain one class. But mm. Mm, I think it's the same as. You're not allowed to do stock and modified now okay. at, uh, at the ETS because then you can may get more practice information or something like this. But um, yeah, I say I think they need something more like an easier class to begin with, mm. maybe. So, Scotty, if you're listening, two-wheel drive touring car, check. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, think. I think they try to, you know, make the Formula One class entry class. Ah, but that's good. Actually, I'm sorry, and, I forgot about that. Yeah. And that class have have grown a little bit over the years, so, so in a way, they they already tried and yeah, made it happen with Formula. So, mm. it's hard to say which which way would be better, but I definitely I think we need to do something to make make the race more interesting. Mm. Uh, something has to happen. I mean, we have to we have to boost the sport. <laughs> yes, and I think I think last weekend in um, in Germany they bring they bring back the the barbecue and a small party in the evening, mm-hmm. which which was the way that ETS started and and made people want to come because I think many people have fun at the race, and also outside the race when they were there. So That's I think half- that was a that's half the fun. I mean, yeah. a- after the race, have a few beers, a barbecue, sitting down talking. Yeah. So I think that uh, that was definitely a good thing that they brought that back because I think that was that was the thing that made uh, ETS famous from the beginning. Mm. The f- the family the family side of the things like not too serious. Are ah, you serious when you're racing? But when it's off, I mean, you have you have to have fun, sort of like. To, to, yeah. to meet people yeah exactly that's why I did international racing it was not for the winning it was to have fun <laughs> yeah exactly you go there with your group and you, you want to have fun at the event yeah, and, meet and also other, outside and, the event yeah and meet other people yeah. yeah well you missed out on the first Swedish national win in a long time <laughs> <laughs> yes 
Well, there was a CTO, as uh, Joseph calls it. I don't know where CTO <laughs> came from. The Coelho takeout. I don't know where yeah. it came from. I think it was him who actually came up with it. I don't know. Yeah, from the Nationals, they, they, they call it the H2. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So there's a different no, diver but... that actually took Victor out in the last final. What happened? Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, it was a tough event from the beginning. There was, there was um, in the northern part of Sweden. Mm-hmm. I think the club was maybe not so used to have a little bit bigger event, and the carpet was was not so good, and there was basically no grip in the carpet. So okay. we spent all day on Friday to practice and get some grip, and then. On Saturday morning, they they vacuumed the track again, so we no. had <laughs> we had no grip again for for qualifying. Why did it? Oh my god! Okay. Yeah, it was a little bit disaster. So then, I mean, it was a close race with uh, with Hellquist. He's a good driver mm-hmm. at home, and uh, he could take uh, uh, three TQs with uh, about one tenth. So mm-hmm. he started first. Um, in the final, I was a little bit faster. In the first final, he made a mistake, and I could win pretty easy. And then in the second final, I was a bit faster, but I couldn't get past him. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I hit him a little bit, but I waited and let him buy again, so he could, uh, so ge- he could win. So gen- he could win it. Uh, a gentleman's move. Sorry. Yeah, it's how mm-hmm. you do it. If you mm-hmm. hit somebody, you let them pass. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, so he could win the final. So then in the last one, yeah, it was a deciding one, and he got together with the left car, so I get by. Mm-hmm. Um, but then basically he took me out and uh, <laughs> and didn't wait, so he won the race. Yeah. And there was no penalty from the referee as well, so. Of course, why? <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty clear clear takeout, but. Yeah. yeah, both from the referee and uh, I would say Hellquist, he, he should have waited at least so we could race it out to the finish line. Yeah, that is the best way. The gentleman, I, I love the, the, the part when you actually stop and sort of like, I'm sorry, sort of like show. But yeah, yeah I mean, it, it's still it's still wrong to take somebody out. But if you if it doesn't cost them any position, just let them buy and and start racing again. So. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it was quite a tough weekend. It was not the best race, and yeah, I mean, should the, have won the race as well. Yeah, the race was so far up north. It was Jesus. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, really in the northern part of Sweden. I've never yeah. been so much uh, north <laughs> north before in my life. <laughs> uh, there was a lot of snow this year, also. So I mean, uh, it was really. Uh, it was winter. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think otherwise from the event, like the Swedish Federation, they did a pretty good, mm. pretty good job because everything around looked looked good, and they also brought uh, uh, national television to the to the race. So from that from their part, I think they made a good uh, organization. But I think in the in the next years we should we should be more uh, careful where we place the race to get to get more entries and uh, a better race for everybody. Yeah, but I mean, there, I, 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 I totally agree with you on that. But the media exposure the sport has gotten uh, the, the past few years here in Sweden, uh, with, with uh, for everyone who doesn't know, it's like we have a Swedish championship week. And it's mm. in some town in Sweden. And uh, we actually for our car sport federation actually can only do like rc is really good to 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 bring to those events and uh, you have like cross-country skiing alpine skiing uh, indoor badminton there's a lot of sports going on during one week and we get we get to be a part of it and we also get a lot of media attention we usually get like 10 or 15 minutes in, in, in national television. I think that's really, really good. The bad yeah, part sure. is that you will end up in places like really, really far up north. So, And it's because everyone is supposed to, to be um, 
represented. Every town should have a chance to represent the Swedish National Week. Yeah. And we have it during summer and we do it, have it during winter. It's a really good way to get the sport out. Yeah, too bad it ended up like that. And usually there is no hotel room with the a hundred kilometers from the from the from the town. It's everything is fully yeah. booked. So, but the thing is, it's really good for the sport inside Sweden. There's a lot of people that actually know that I'm racing RC cars that has come up to me and said like, "Hey, I saw that." Uh, uh, there was RC cars on TV, and it was really interesting. So I think it's a mm. good thing. It's a good promotion for the sport. So I mean, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, we just hope next time it's it's a little bit closer to, yeah, some other permanent track where we where we know how to do the race and mm. where where you can get more people to to the race because yeah. now it's so so far north so it was hard to get entries as well yeah of course i mean everyone has to fly up hotel rooms is an issue um, yeah so i mean but it's it's nice i i heard a lot of guys who went there said it was super good organization good organization and it was friendly and the hospitality was really really good mm. yeah so, well we have one thing that i would like to bring up i call it the vintage corner i mean okay <laughs> <laughs> you've been around for so long now i mean what's your favorite car all time not your current one like you have you all mm. everyone has like oh man that car i would say for me racing mm -hmm. the best car for me i would say from all the years and just racing it it was always good i have to say the tamiya 416x 416x yeah that's the one that you sort of like oh man i remember that car yeah that car was always competitive and we won many races with that car it yeah. was at that time i would say it was it was the best car was back in the Mark and Mark and Victor show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really good. It was always a good time. You go to the event and you know the car is gonna work every time. Yeah, you guys were really successful back then. Yeah, it was good. So I have to say that car, yeah. Tamiya four sixteen. Yeah. Well, the favorite car that you still wish you had, like the one you wish you had on the shelf, like this one. Oh man, why did I get rid of that one? Maybe the maybe the Lucy double X that would be would be cool to have in the have in the garage. Yeah, that's a really vintage. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, but do you know where it ended up? Do you know what you did with it? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if we sold it or gave it to someone. Yeah, I'm not sure. Probably probably sold it to one at the club or something like this. Yeah. I mean, vintage is really, really growing out there, and it's really fun to to see that. I mean, now when I'm getting older, I, I, there's a lot of cars I wish I still had, but there's one that I've been looking for. I know that someone in Stockholm had it. It was an old Kirschel mm -hmm. Laser. I know someone in Stockholm had it, bought it from uh. It's a lot of handmade parts that I made myself. I mean, that is... Why did I get rid of that? But back then it was like, oh, no... Uh, I'm buying and I'm getting a. I was getting a new sponsor, so I wasn't really going to use it anymore. So I was like, oh, let's sell it. Yeah, like always. Yeah. yeah. So like now it's like, man, that car would be priceless to have. <laughs> ah. Yeah, next time. Next time, <laughs> there will be a next time. <laughs> so when we were still talking about vintage, like who was your RC hero when you were growing up? Like the one you admired or sort of like. Oh man, he's cool. I want to be like him. I mean, I remember when we, yeah, when we started um, uh, driving a two-wheel drive off-road. You always look to the, you know, a car action magazine or, or to the world championship. And that time was, you know, was Masami and uh, Brian Kimwald with the Lucy. Mm -hmm. So probably these two guys i also yuka stenari you know mm -hmm. from scandinavia he was mm -hmm. he was a pretty cool guy as well yeah yuka was really nice raced yeah. him a lot during the 90s never beat him 
Uh-huh. Yeah, so probably one of those guys in uh, off-road back then. Mm-hmm. So is uh, I mean, when you, I mean, you have a lot of fans also. I mean, a lot of kids admiring you. Like I always said, there is a Japanese boy with your with your post poster on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hard to think like that, but it's it's fun. You know, I mean, yeah, I think that. I think everyone who actually became a racer always have these sort of like heroes or something yeah, that someone sure. that they grew up with you know, admiring. Like mine is Cliff Lett. Cliff Lett is like, mm. I would love to have an evening with him with a couple of beers and just ask him stuff about the old days and stuff like that. It's, um, that's cool. Yeah, you should go to a read race next week. <laughs> <laughs> I should. Actually, I don't do anything right now, so I should. But nah, it's not going to happen right now. But yeah, I wish to go. Well, do you have any pro tips for for the listeners out there? I mean, yeah, you're a pro, and how do you go from local zero to international hero? I mean, I is there anything that you would like to share with the audience that you think that this is what you should look for I mean I mean still when I think everybody do try to do their best when they're racing and yeah keep fighting for the best position and stuff like this but probably what I learned is as more prepared you can be the better result you're gonna make so mm-hmm. if you can you know make car make make sure your car is you know perfectly tweaked or you know all the shocks is prepared and you you have all the stuff prepared what you need you know ESC setup motor setup stuff like this then you then you're going to do well mm-hmm. and prepare everything before like body shell and stuff like this so you don't you don't need to be stressed at the event i think that's uh, that's pretty important for a good result mm-hmm. do you feel do you feel your shocks at the track or do you do it at home Normally, when I arrive, I always uh, I redo the shocks because you never know from the flight uh, it's not going to be so good. So normally, just when I arrive the day before or in the morning, mm-hmm. I try to redo the shocks so so make sure it's always always perfect. Mm. So preparation is key as always. Preparation, yeah, preparation, I would say. preparation. Yeah, it's boring, <laughs> but but it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, <clears throat> you can see when people are getting better. It's when they start preparing a whole lot more before, and yeah. so, sort of like pick up the loose ends, the ones, the things that you don't really ah, take it later. You have to do it. That's yeah, exactly the most important thing. So we talked a little bit about future adventures and what's next. Yeah, I mean, you, I guess you have a busy schedule with the worlds this year and preparing for everything. Mm. So, what's up next? You are going to uh, to to the read race, and after that, are you going to have any free time before in, during the summer? Mm, yeah, probably one or two weeks. But um, I think after read race, it's again ETS in mm. Holland. Mm. Um, I think also end of June or July is the Euros as well mm. in Vienna. Yeah, and then then the ETS final, and then we plan to do one test weekend, probably in the in China at the factory from Serpent before okay. the Worlds to mm. prepare. Okay, and then we have the Worlds in uh, beginning middle of uh, August. So it's gonna be a pretty busy month ahead, but but it's gonna be fun. Yeah, cool. But uh, looking uh, forward. Yeah, the Euros is it in Triskirchen or in the in the hockey rink? <laughs> uh, no, it's not. I think it's uh, it's in a, a little bit smaller outer track. Oh, okay. Vienna um, Neustadt or something like this. Oh, okay. I think, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Vienna's nice. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. I love it. Well. <laughs> Do you have any sponsor shout-outs that you want to do? So, I mean, feel free to do it. Yeah, I, I basically just want to thank all my sponsors. Serpent, Aramex, Prospect Sweep, uh, Samva Protoform, um, Raceberry, mm-hmm. 
yeah, TD Design MP stickers. Yeah. Um, they helped me a lot, so I want to say a big thanks to them. And hope we can do a good result this year. Yeah, perfect. Well, thank you for participating in the podcast. It was really fun to have you on. I mean, uh, it's um, uh, it's always fun to follow you around the world. Well, thank, thank you, you very much. <laughs> thank you. So, talk to you later. Yeah, talk to you later. Okay. Take care, Daniel. Take care. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye.